Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined today by Carlos Colazzo, uh, traversing the country. Carlos is on the high school showcase circuit right now for us. He uh, just got back from Chicago, the Under Armour All-American game. He's uh, heading down to uh, East Cobb next week. That'll be followed by a trip out west to uh, Long Beach and San Diego for the Area Code Games and uh, Perfect Game All-American uh, Classic. Uh, Carlos, racking up those frequent flyer miles, seeing all the best help the 2020 high school class. Yeah, starting to get a little bit, uh, get a little bit of that travel action going on. But no, it was fun. It was fun to see the Under Armour All America game. I mean, these four events that you just mentioned, East Coast Pro Area Cut Games and the Under Armour and Perfect Game All America Games, are probably like the big four summer showcases. I feel like they're they're kind of the main events of this season for us. It's where you get to see uh, at the showcase games. It's where you get to see kind of the elite of the elite uh, in the class face off on one field in one game. Uh, it's basically an All Star game for the high school prospects and then the east coast pro and the area code games you get a little bit more depth of the class obviously the east coast pro focusing on the east coast specifically in area code games bringing together the best talent uh throughout the entire country so it's it's always very fun to to kind of start diving into this class uh, and really getting to know it better you kind of enter the year with a an idea of what the class is going to be like but obviously you don't really know uh, until you put eyes on players and start to watch them so i mean this is the fun part of the season uh, and where all the prep work really starts for our 2020 draft coverage uh, that you guys will all probably start diving into more next next May and June. In terms of the Under Armour All-America game in, in Chicago, a uh, lot of talented kids came out and really put yeah. on some good performances. Uh, Victor Medeiros, back for a second straight year, won MVP, struck out the side. Uh, but before we dive into individual players, what would you say was kind of the overarching first impressions of the 2020 class, or at least the top of it that showed up for the All-America game in Chicago? Yeah, I've talked to a number of different scouts and different evaluators to, to kind of ask them that question, like, how are you guys seeing the 2020 class? I think, um, I think regardless of what the 2020 class ends up being, people are going to just assume that it has more depth simply because 2019 was kind of lacking in that regard. So I think it's pretty easy to say, oh, like, we're excited for this next one because the, the previous class lacked it in these areas and, and so and so and so. But um, I was talking with Steve Bernhard and he, he kind of agreed. He does think that this 2020 class has a lot of depth. I think at this point for me, there are probably fewer, no doubt, top of the first round guys in this class. But I do think there are more guys who like you could see being first rounders, if that makes sense. So there aren't any right now, at least there aren't any Bobby Witt or C.J. Abrams types that we know are going to go at the top of the first round, kind of like we did at the beginning uh, of the 2019 draft cycle. However, I do think there are, are more players who at this point I could see as being first-rounders than last year. I'd say last year's class was very strong at the top and fell off quickly. This one seems to be a little bit more balanced, a little bit more depth. Now, if you're picking at the top of the class, you probably prefer the 2019 version, but I think a lot of teams are going to be excited with the players they'll have to pick from in kind of the middle of the first and going on 
uh, into the second round and, and throughout day one this year. It, it's a lot of depth. I think outfield specifically is a strong position group for this class. I think there are more depth of arms. I don't think it's the 2018 kind of high school depth uh, on the mound, but there are a number of really exciting high school outfielders who have unique tool sets, uh, big power, speed, hitting ability. Um, so I, I would expect the outfield group specifically to kind of be the strength of the high school class at this point. You mentioned that outfield group. Who for you is at the top of that group right now? Well, Pete Crow Armstrong is kind of the guy who, who entered the season as the number one prospect in the class. And again, I, I don't think he's a Bobby Witt type where he's kind of locked into that spot. Um, I'll be curious to see if he's able to kind of keep that going forward. But I mean, he's a guy who has previously shown exceptional field to hit. I mean, Kyle, you're familiar with him. You're talking to your SoCal guys. He's a name that was routinely brought up. Even as an underclassman, he made a uh, he made our all or excuse me, yeah, our all America teams after the 2019 season for his performance. But I mean, he's a plus center fielder, a great feel for the game, plus pure hitting ability, uh, good arm strength, good speed. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see how much impact he's able to have. I think that's maybe the one area of his game that you can kind of question and, and critique at this point. Uh, but for now, he's the top guy. There are some other guys really close. Dylan Cruz um, is our number two prospect at this moment. I think he's probably a more complete all-around hitter. Uh, he's got really good power in his hat. He uses the opposite field well with impact. Uh, and then a couple other guys who, who I'd want to mention is just Austin Hendrick, maybe the best pure power. Uh, and then Zach Veen is a guy who I think probably opened the most eyes at this event specifically, committed to Florida. Uh, he just got a very simple left-handed swing, very balanced, great rhythm, great timing. And I think he showed more raw power than people were expecting as well. He's a guy who has five-tool potential and I think um, probably did the most to, to maybe improve his draft stock at this specific event. It's only one game. Those four are the really exciting ones for me at this point. Yeah, it's always interesting seeing, you mentioned a guy like Pete Crow Armstrong, who scouts have known for a while. Uh, he was the youngest player on uh, Team USA's 18U national team a year ago and started for them. I mean, this mm -hmm. was a guy who's playing up uh, against guys a year ahead of him and being, you mm -hmm. know, not only showing he could play with them, but play better than them. Then you mentioned guys like Veen who are yeah. really popping up. And we're going to have guys even throughout into uh, the fall, you know, winter and spring especially, guys who, you know, maybe weren't as well known, but they really rise up. You only have to look back at this last draft yeah. class, you know, Keone Cavaco, a guy who wasn't even invited to play for SoCal in the area code games, let alone any of these All-American events. Truly amazing. So it, it's, you know, some guys everyone knows and other guys, they, you know, they kind of pop up and, and ride that momentum. On the pitching side, you mentioned there's some good arms. Victor Medeiros uh, won MVP. Uh, he was probably, you know, the guy that anytime you, you bring home hardware, you're going to capture the most attention uh what did Victor show you in the game and then who were some of the other top arms out there yeah Victor is a guy who, who I've kind of seen uh for a little bit longer than some of these other arms I think what what Madero showed in this game that was really impressive to me is just a four pitch mix and I talked to him after the game and I kind of asked him okay you were here last year you're here now how have you kind of changed as a pitcher over this past year and he really spoke to improving his command he's a guy who he wants to be able to throw all of his pitches in any count um, and he really showed the ability to land all four of his pitches. He throws a fastball, a curveball slider, and a changeup. And he actually has two variations on his changeup. And just depending on what fastball the hitter has seen, he'll mix up to try to kind of uh, just sequence those pitches a little better. So I thought that was fascinating. On the mound and to talk to, he has a good understanding of what he's trying to do. Um, but he showed solid stuff across the board. He was 92-94 with this fastball. Um, this class, uh, or at least at this event, we didn't see a ton of elite breaking balls that we've seen in the past. 
but I do think his breaking ball probably stood up with, with some of the other better ones in this group. But really, just kind of the poise and the pitch ability uh, was impressive. It's tough to get a really deep look on these pitchers because they're all only throwing one inning. Uh, but you can see the stuff. Uh, I think he was probably the most polished arm that we saw. Yeah, having that polish, obviously, in a four-pitch mix for someone who's, you know, a high school, not even a high school senior yet, is always impressive and going to open some eyes. Someone else that you highlighted uh, when you broke down the best stuff at the 2019 Under Armour uh, All-America game uh, was Jared Kelly. You know, every year it seems like there's a six-foot-three right-hander out of Texas, you know, who can touch the mid-90s, and uh, this looks like the, the next in line. Yeah, you love these uh, Texas right-hand pitchers. Like you said, there always are these big arms out of Texas. And this year, that is Jared Kelly. He was the highest-ranked pitcher in the game for us. Uh, he started the first inning, or excuse me, through the first two innings and really just showed elite stuff. I mean, he's not bored in 96. Uh, he had five whiffs on his fastball. I think he struck out four or five guys, most of, mostly with that fastball. Um, he has a really good change, and I think that's going to be a theme with a lot of these pitchers in the class that, that we're talking about, specifically at this game. Um, he's got an 81-83 changeup that he throws with good arm speed. It has some diving action, uh, and he blends it well with his fastball, mixes those two pitches well. I think what, what scouts will probably bear down on him is how good is the breaking ball. Um, sometimes it can back up on him a little bit, show the greatest spin when he leaves it up. It can hang a little bit, but when he keeps it down and buries it, it's a solid pitch. I think you're just going to want to see refinement there. But, yeah, the best fastball of this game, um, he really showed an ability to, to locate it well. It wasn't just the velocity. Uh, the velocity was the best of the event. Him, him and Jared Jones were the only two, I think, who 96 on my gun uh, and the board there. Um, but, yeah, just his kind of feel for using the fastball changeup combination was impressive. And he's a very physical right-handed pretty excuse me, right-handed pitcher, pretty filled out at this point. Um, so I think look, looking forward with him, you're just going to want to see improvement with that breaking ball to see how good that pitch can be. One right-hander I wanted to ask you about was uh, Carson Montgomery out of uh, Windermere High School in Florida. Um, part of why I wanted to bring him up was because while he didn't necessarily win any of the uh, best stuff categories, listed as an honorable yeah. mention for best fastball, honorable mention for best breaking ball, honorable mention for uh, best control. And anytime you have fastball, <laughs> breaking ball, and you can command and control both of them, that's what sounds like a really promising pitching prospect. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. He didn't get – I ran those uh, best tools by a number of scouts to kind of solicit feedback for it, so it wasn't just my opinions on it. But if it was just me, I probably would have given him best fastball, even though it was a, it's like a 91 to 93-hour pitch in this outing. It didn't have the, the velocity of a Jared Kelly or a Jared Jones. But he got five whiffs on the pitch in just one inning. He had no problems with it. It seemed like that was what he was trying to do. Got a ton of whiffs. I'd be very curious to see the spin rate on that pitch. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, he had a really good slider in the 80-82 mile per hour range. He only threw a couple because he worked so quickly. He's another guy who struck out the side, had a 1-2-3 inning. Um, but there's a hard and tight slider that he buried for a K. Uh, looks like a swing and miss type pitch. I didn't see a change up from him, again, just because he worked so quickly. But, again, the command he showed. Uh, just very efficient ending, fastball slider combo. He's interesting, and again, he's one of the top-ranked pitchers that we have in the class. I think of him now, uh, like the number ten prospect in the country, and there are only a couple pitchers ahead of him. And you've hit on this last guy a couple of times, Jared Jones at a La Mirada High School. Again, still yeah. at a Pico Armstrong, been famous for a while. Uh, you know, was always one of the youngest guys at all the showcase events. Uh, I remember watching him in the Boris Classic as a sophomore, and some scouts 
comparing him to a guy who once went number one overall in a draft. Um, and, and there's a lot of people who have liked him for a long time. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I think you hit on all the important things with Jared Jones. I mean, you've got great feel for him. He's six foot one, 180-pound right-handed pitcher. Even with the position players, he's probably one of the most athletic players in this high school class. But he's a guy who we, we've seen touch 97, 98. Um, in this game, he was more in that kind of 92 to 96 mile per hour range, mostly 94, 96 and with his first few pitches in the first inning. There's a little bit of head whack in his delivery, not the biggest guy. So it's not like this easy, effortless delivery uh, that Jared Kelly had on his fastball. Um, but there's more life on, on Jared Jones' fastball uh, than a lot of these guys. He's got really good running action. He actually, in this game, landed the slider and his changeup for strikes better than the fastball. I think and in my history with Jared Jones, uh, scattered at times and I think it's partially because he can throw that hard um and he tries to I think I'd, I'd be curious to see if he kind of just went out there and tried to take a little bit off the gas to see if he could spot that fastball a little more, more effectively because even when he's at a lower tick it's got enough life on the pitch to be effective with his secondaries the big thing with Jared Jones is the step forward that his changeup has taken um previously I don't know if you would have put a plus changeup on him but throughout this summer I've shown the ability to have a plus changeup. It's a more firm pitch in that 84 to 88 mile per hour range. He threw a couple 87, 88 mile per hour changeups. So I was like, uh, is that a two seam fastball? But no, he just throws hard and he throws his changeup hard, but he throws it with good arm speed, has good fading life. Uh, the arm flows a bit at times, but when he's consistent with kind of throwing that changeup with his fastball arm speed, I think you've got a guy who has a chance for three plus pitches. It's just a matter of can he refine that control going to hold up with him? Um, but the stuff, you, you can't doubt the stuff. It's very electric. I just kind of want to see him refine that control a little bit more and see, uh, see what he can do kind of in a longer, in a longer stint, a, a five, six inning game rather than a two inning appearance. Yeah, it's great stuff. Uh, great athlete, you know, great track record. He's, he's someone that will definitely be a name to watch as we move forward into the draft cycle. Uh, Carlos, we've hit on the outfielders and the pitchers. You mentioned those are really the two strengths of the high school class uh, at this point. Were there any infielders who raised your interest at all? Yeah, I think Ed Howard is probably the guy right now. I think most people would probably say he's the he's the top shortstop in the class. Uh, he's more defensive-oriented uh, than he is offensively. He's a very fluid defender, very athletic in the field, just really consistent, strong arm. He can throw from multiple slots. Uh, he takes a good angle to the ball. Ed Howard is one of the two uh, local Chicago area kids that was in this game. He didn't do a ton in the game. Uh, but he was, I think he went um, 0 for 3 with a ground out, a pop-up, and a strikeout. But um, I think he's a guy who showed off two-way potential in the workout. Uh, his hands work pretty well in the box. He's got quick twitch in the batter's box. There is, um, I think you want to see a little bit more consistency from him. Uh, out of the right-handed box, he's more of a gap-to-gap -gap hitter, six foot two, 185. And like I said, really wiry and just super athletic. Um, but the guy who stood out in the game specifically is Steven Nett. Uh He's a shortstop out of Puerto Rico goes to the International Baseball Academy um, at that uh, in Puerto Rico. Mario Zabala is another player from that school out of Puerto Rico who's interesting. But on Dina, just elite with the glove. He made a number of really impressive plays at shortstop and at second base. He plays very low to the ground, sees the ball in his glove well. He's only like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but he has above average or plus arm strength across the field. He didn't really have to show it off in this game. He's an above average runner. He got on base a couple of times and really was a menace on the base. That's kind of, it's, it's a lighter bat, kind of a quick, compact 
ground ball line drive stroke right now. So just if he can more physical and, and what he can tap into offensively. But Stephen Ondina, a, a Florida international commit, looks to be one of the more exciting defensive players in this class. There are always guys that you might see at an event that you're like, huh, he intrigues me. I want to mm-hmm. see more of him before you make like a substantial, mm-hmm. huge judgment. Who's a guy that maybe mm-hmm. you saw like, you know, I see something here. I'm intrigued to see more at, you know, whether it's East Coast Pro or any of the other, you know, major events coming up. Yeah, I think the one guy who jumps out in that regard to me is Austin Hendrick. I mean, I mentioned him a little bit earlier as one of the top outfitters in this class. He's a guy out of Pennsylvania that, I mean, if you just look at pure bat speed, I mean, he's probably got the best bat speed in the entire class. And he, he might have the best bat speed of any hitter that I've seen in a while. It's a very, very quick bat. Um, he's got easy plus-plus raw power. He won the Home Run Derby at the Under Armour All-America game. He was at the Home Run Derby uh, in the MLB All-Star game. Blaze Jordan took it from him that time. But they're both Mississippi State commits, so I guess Mississippi State just loves this huge raw power because uh, two of their commits have the biggest in the class. But Hendrick is a guy who – because his hands are so fast and because he's playing against Pennsylvania competition that he said he, he doesn't see even 82 miles per hour a lot. He's a guy who's kind of developed some natural timing mechanisms, kind of toe tap. Uh, he would, he would toe tap in his load with a high foot arch and then he would kind of move it around a couple of times. Um, and then uh, pre-pitch like bat waggle movement. And both of these things were kind of developed to keep himself back and kind of wait on all these pitches He's had to simplify it a little bit because I was talking with um, Greg Ritchie, who's the 18U national team hitting coach who worked with Hendrick at the PDP league. Uh, he would just be very instant with his landing in his lower half just because of different speeds of pitchers that are working with him. And he just needed to kind of simplify that to get to more of a consistent uh, landing spot and just hitting position, I guess you could say. So he simplified that a little bit. It's more of a, just a simple leg kick load. The toe tap is gone. Kind of just seeing him, get used to this new approach and maybe tap into more of his power in game is going to be really fascinating. The bat speed is there. uh, And as he kind of gets used to this new approach, I think you're going to see him start to kind of tap into that that power in game. He's one that that's super fascinating in that regard. Absolutely. Well, Carlos, uh, we appreciate you giving us the rundown on the uh, Under Armour high school America game. Uh, I know it's always a fun event for you to go out and see, and we look forward to seeing what else uh, you can bring for us uh, from all the events coming up. Yes, sir. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Well, this has been another edition of the Baseball America podcast. For Carlos Colazzo, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time.